Welcome back. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we thank you and praise you that you are risen from the dead. And I pray, Lord, that that would mean something. I pray that we would encounter your risen life in our own life. That we would experience, Lord, what it means to be your children. Children of the Father. And that in you, we can cry out, Abba, Father, because your spirit is alive and at work in us. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of Easter. And give us the grace to live it well. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So, Carrie, as uh, people listen to this, you're on an airplane. Yes, I am. Are you excited? I am excited. Yeah? <laughs> I'm still tasking. Yeah. So where, where are you going? Uh, I'm going to Leesburg, Virginia. Leesburg, Virginia. I, and then Ohio to see Mary Catherine at Franciscan. Nice. And now why are you doing this? Is this an interview process? Is this yeah, what you're used to? Yeah, this is how I interview. Very friendly and open and dialogical, conversational. <laughs> is this your wife? Know. What are you doing? <laughs> it's just your wife that pushes back. Uh, I'm going to see... Yeah, so people my... actually love when I ask them questions. They, I get affirmed all the time. <laughs> you missed a great interview yesterday. It was with fa- Father, with Leonardo DiFilippis. And your mom was one of his first supporters. Yes. I, I didn't mention that. I didn't mention... I, was, I wanted to see if he would remember your mom. But he, she, I remember her telling stories about when he first got started and how you know she was like helping him out financially and all that. I think that's really cool. She was, and she would get a lot of people to go see him. She was one of his biggest cheerleaders in the Seattle area. Um, so my sister back in, I want to say in November, September of last year, said, do you girls, me and my other sister, do we want to go to a conference in uh, Virginia? And the gal that's hosting it is Lisa Brednick Meyer, who's the, uh, that's a Bible study we're doing. And she brought on, uh, well, Sister Miriam and Father John Ricardo and Father um, Dave Pavanka and a couple of their speakers to do a weekend called Flourish for Women. And it's at a beautiful <laughs> resort. I feel kind of guilty even saying this. But um, she, uh, my sister gifted this to me and uh, my other sister. And so we're going to be flying out. Early Friday morning. And... Oh, you're getting to the airport. Wait, aren't you taking me? Yeah, I'm taking you. Yeah. If you only I just have want, to I'm get looking up at for the points, 340, the, the sacrifice points. 3.40 a.m. in the morning. Nice and early. That's in okay. The we were both up at 3.44 a.m. this morning. My mind was just, you know, your mind gets spinning. There, I got to say this, that my mind is spinning. It was with all this like real estate stuff. There's so much stuff going on these days and all the details to keep in my mind and things to get done. But there's a reason why the Office of Readings is prayed at like four or five in the morning. It's that it's then when people who are in the most stressed and overwhelmed conditions, they wake up. And there's something very peaceful about sleeping. And so when we, be, we get woken up by what's happening inside ourselves, that it becomes very difficult to then go back to sleep. And the other thing I notice is when I wake up, my thoughts are way more extreme with emotion, anxiety, fear than they are in the normal day-to-day when it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Because you can kind of crowd it out maybe. Uh, no, there's, um, I think, yeah, maybe that's a good point. I don't actually know why, Tom, but I feel that at that time when I'm aw- awakened, it's a pretty focused, intense thought on whatever it is. And you're right, there's not all this other stuff pushing in. And so also some of the best prayers and some of my best, most creative thoughts and ideas come at 3.30 in the morning. So it could be, a, it sometimes is a great thing, but um, I don't think So you've, I've been able to prove something by use of podcasts. Okay. And that is how quickly I fall asleep. Oh. You would, you would say to me, hey, you can't just leave your phone <laughs> podcast on for an hour or like a YouTube thing because then it would tumble to the next one and the next one and the next one. It would never turn off. So then I became a more sophisticated user and I could do the sleep timer. And so I typically, when I go to bed at night, I will put on 15 minutes thinking that, oh, it'll probably take about 13 minutes for me to fall asleep-ish. Well, 
when I wake up like the next day, or if I have to go back to the, um, back to the podcast the next time I do, um, it's gone 15 minutes and then it shuts off. So I'll go back and I'll rewind it to the point that I last remember. And I swear it's only a minute in. I just cannot believe how easily you fall asleep. The sleep of the just. It's such a great. Just, the just, the just <laughs> man falls asleep quickly, <laughs> undisturbed. So that that's the first proof. But here's the second thing. When I woke up at, it was like 3, 3 in the morning, 3.15 in the morning, I could not fall back asleep. My mind was spinning. And I tried this podcast and that podcast, and I tried this and I tried that. Did you try the rosary, Tom? In Jesus' holy name, I started <laughs> praying the rosary, and I fell asleep. Amen. I got through only one decade. I No, I was on the second decade, the ascension of Jesus into heaven, and I fell asleep. How about that? That was pretty cool. So, all right. I think that's neat. You're going out to see uh, Sister Miriam James, whom you know, uh, Father Pavanka that you studied with. I went to school with him. Yes. You went to school with Father Pavanka? We hung Pavanka. out. We worked at the athletic department together. Did you really? Yes. He was, was he athletic? Pe- no. Well, he wasn't. He was okay. He was he was three years older than me and he was working towards a graduate degree or he kind of was a late comer. He felt, it felt like he was three to four years older than all of us who were right, like 20. 21. So are you going to advocate for like more scholarship dollars? Yes. You, you got to <laughs> kind of do the, he doesn't have that happen ever by anybody. Yeah, no okay. kidding. Huh? And I actually want to see father John Ricardo, which, which yeah. is really cool. He's coming to this area. He's really? coming to a Holy family in Kirkland and, uh, just a couple weeks, uh, early May, he'll be at, at Holy Family in Kirkland on a Sunday. And I think that they, you know, even they barely got the word out, and I think they're already mostly full. Oh, that's awesome. Then they're doing an event on Saturday afternoon for church leaders, for priests and leaders, because that's his primary ministry these days in Acts 29. But if you want to learn more, tune in on Tuesday of next week, because I'll be interviewing him. I'll be interviewing him on Monday morning. I oh, thought, you are? Yeah, which is really funny because I've been we've been texting and emailing back and forth trying to find a time that works for the both of us, and it's been a really it's been a big challenge. And he's like, "Yeah, Tom, I'm going to be at this event on the weekend in DC." <laughs> Not even connecting the dots that you, he's going to be where you are. So I, I hey. all of a sudden we're sitting here prepping, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness, that is so funny." Oh. So all right. Let's let's go back though. I want to go back to Holy Week, uh, where we left off. We talked about Holy Week a bit last week, and you remember one of the things was Good Friday, and the question was kiss the when you kiss the cross. If there's a crucifix, do you kiss the cross or do you kiss the corpus of Jesus? And I was at St. Charles where they had the corpus. Okay. So it was a crucifix, a big crucifix. And I watched everybody kiss Jesus. Oh, good. Nobody kissed the cross. They all kissed his feet? They all his kissed leg. his feet or his knees. His feet or his knees. There was one person who didn't. Okay. He actually kissed the cross. Okay. That you, was me. Wait, weren't you praying this whole time? No, you were I was actually watching. watching. I was <laughs> de- with You're devotion. Exposed. With okay. devotion. As they are kissing Jesus, you were. I was thank with you, them. Lord. I was thinking, yes. I was like, thank you, Lord. Did they, they have it wrong, and I'm right. They I have it wrong. I'm so sad they did not sing, Were You There when they crucified? Oh, they did. Not where I not at oh. St. Mary's. Oh, really? Yeah, it was so sad. But it's just, even though it's not a Catholic hymn, it is just a beautiful. Oh, such they a great sang, song. Were You There, and about five other Good Friday songs because it took. How? Long. It took you. Okay, we had we two people kissing at the same time. time. No, we did was, you do one at a time? One at a time plus the seven foot walk up. Oh, oh no, f- ten foot walk up. Wait, why? It's not I have COVID. no idea. It was what they started, and so then no one was going to drag it forward. Can I just tell you, I'm so proud of myself. I'm a trendsetter. Yeah? Okay. At a church in Otis Orchards, I won't say which Catholic church, <laughs> for some reason, as Wednesday night mass, everyone waits. At, right. the in, at the end of the pew before they walk up to, I don't know, 10 feet to Father. And I'm like, I am not doing that. I just started going right after the other person, and all of a sudden, no one waits anymore. It takes one person to, really? <laughs> to say. That's, that is so interesting. Did you have the same thought? Well, I do something similar. I go and I lay down prostrate before okay, I you receive are, communion. I knew you were going to say something <laughs> s- silly. Silly talk. Snarky and... 
oh, you know, we should. I don't get why people. It, it's just you. You're we're so sheep. We're such sheeple. You know what was bothersome to me about Good Friday was uh-huh. the text. It was the voice memo we got from Mary Catherine. She's visiting my family and her roommate's family over the Easter break in Boston. And she had to send us that message. She went to the Good Friday service, the commemoration of the cross. And remember what she said? Oh, yes. She didn't get to receive Jesus on the tongue. She came forward to receive communion on the tongue. And the priest said, COVID. And <laughs> Good not, old Boston. Not body of Christ, but COVID. COVID. <laughs> and pushed, the, pushed communion into her oh. folded hands. Oh, my goodness. And she was... She was like shocked. She kind of taken he, aback. He by needs the to. Whole hey, thing. that reminds me of the seven church devotion we did this year, and all the amazing priest prayers that you could do during this time. I don't know who made the booklet. I didn't have time to print it up, but I picked it up at um, Saint John Vianney. Is that the church down in the valley, Tom? Uh, Saint John Vianney. Yes. They had several copies, and so the priest there let us take a few for us. In um, just a new tradition we did this year, which was fantastic. And I've never done it. I don't think they do it in the other diocese, but this is the first year Spokane Diocese has done it where they gave you 10 different churches you could go to, the addresses and the um, what time their Adoration Chapel was opened. And they encouraged you to go to seven different churches besides the one you were, so six different churches besides the one you were at the uh, Good Friday service at. And it was just a joy, even though I had a lot of pushback from my kids initially, because it was about 9.30 at night when we started. Um, it went, I think we went till midnight, and it was just this really beautiful, holy, adventurous, um, neat activity. I just had never thought to do that, and I'm so glad we did. And I think you had shared that you actually did it like 12-hour uh, journey between seven churches in Rome when you live there, and which led us to watch a video, and you sh- shared with us all the different churches and all the places you walked and how tired you were. But that was when you were like 21? Yeah, that would have been in 1985. No, no, 1986, 1987. So it would have been 1987, 1988 in, that, in those years. So I was like 22, 23. Yeah, I was a little bit lighter, a little bit more athletic. <laughs> Should we do that? Yeah. I don't. No, I think now on my bucket list is to do that in Rome. Maybe I just saw the beautiful churches. That's a long walk. Honey. No, no, no. I would drive. Oh, <laughs> I cannot walk for twelve hours. Uh, no, but just to go there and do that on. Uh, Good well, Friday. yeah, you see the four major basilicas: San Lorenzo, Santa Croce, and one other one that I don't remember. Um, but it's uh, so those seven church, the four major basilicas. Do you know any of the four major basilicas? Come a major on. Mary, yeah, major, major, Mary, major, right? Okay. Very good. And then the one in Rome, St. Peter's, St. Peter's, yep. And that's all I know. Well, St. Paul outside the oh, wall, oh, yeah, you and St. John Lateran, okay, yeah. And remember why it's called St. John Lateran? It's on the Lateran Hill, very good, yeah. So that, yeah, so that theme of, of doing those seven churches, it's it's like a pilgrimage in a day. So how do you make a pilgrimage in place in a local area? And oftentimes there's a theme. And oh. so So is this the theme was to pray for priests? That was the theme. I did by the third church I realized we were praying for priests at each stop, which made me it was some of these prayers are so beautiful and it just opened up a heart of compassion and mercy and love towards my fellow brothers. And I've not had that that care for them or that merciful heart towards them until I started reading these prayers in front of the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. Oh, I'd love to hear what you, what you meant, like a, it, w- which ones in particular. I think that it's easy for us to, uh, I, I, use the, for, I use the metaphor of throwing rocks over the wall. Uh, like you don't really get on the inside of their experience. And that can be lots of different like situations in the church today, like people, like single mothers. For right? sure. Yeah. But how often do we stop and ponder what are the particular crosses or burdens that priests carry? Not, oh, where are they falling short? What more could they do? How are they, uh, how are they letting us down? But instead saying, you know, what is it that we ought to be praying for unaware that, you know, they're, they're struggling, that they're, there are things that they're facing that maybe we don't face and maybe we don't face them in the same way. So 
Carrie, maybe you can uh, come up with a couple of those prayers. We're up against a break right now. When we come back, we'll talk about that and dig into a, a couple of the other special happenings that were powerfully uh, uh, at work in our family as we went through the Triduum. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran, along with my wife, Carrie. Uh, it's a Faith and Family Friday, so we're talking about our faith in our family and how we, well, how we were living the the, the Triduum. And so, Carrie, where we left off, you were uh, digging into the booklet that was associated with the seven church walk or the seven church journey that the bishop established here, Bishop Daly established in Spokane. This is the first year they've done it. I didn't even know about it until I was in the, I was at the doctor's, John Mark was getting his cast off, and I was trying to sign up my daughter for the middle school retreat, and I was on the archdiocesan website, and then it said, hey, Triduum and the seven uh, church devotion, and I said, what is this? And so it was a few hours before we went to the service that I found it, and I said, oh, we should do this, you know, spontaneous, last minute, this is adventure. And I kind of um, threw it on the kids, and they were not too excited, but eventually became more uh, docile and willing and, and actually excited about it. Um, but what was so neat about it, Tom, is... It, By the way, that's a really beautiful insight right there, that sometimes you've got to press through the resistance to get to the uh, the heart. Yeah, I, and I I did not push them hard. And I said, come on, guys, we can do this. This is important. And I kept quoting to them, what? Could you not watch one hour with me? Watch and praise so that you will not fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And I said, okay, after the third church or fourth church, we'll, we'll stop and get, okay, a McDonald's. Like, on uh, Good Friday? On Good Friday, yeah. What? <laughs> I'm so bad. No burger. We, no bur we, we no split meat. a, uh, what are those things McFlurry? called? McFlurry? Yeah. We split a McFlurry. And then I, they also all had an orange. I brought a, like five oranges. And so that was like, uh, or no, one, a couple of us got coffees because we were super tired. And oh, um, but this wasn't Good Friday. This was uh, Holy Thursday. Uh, I think yeah, it was Holy Thursday. Was it Holy night. Thursday? Yeah, when you did the seven, the seven I, churches. You know, we did like three new traditions this Triduum that I've never done before. And by the end, by Easter afternoon, I was exhausted. <laughs> there was a flashlight Easter egg hunt that night, and I decided to stay home. I was so tired, and that's not like me to miss out on an event. But anyhow. Um, some of these prayers, and I think partly, some of these prayers are beautiful, and I think partly because we've been praying with the seminarians uh, on Sunday nights in adoration, it's just as giving me a greater heart for vocations and for the priests, being with them and just seeing their dedication and their young, these young men, and I'm looking at them as if they were my sons, so now my sons are getting to the age where they could make a decision to move in that direction, and so maybe that's awakening in me a heart for these young men. Why are you smiling? That's beautiful. <laughs> okay. Because while well, you often will hear priests talk about their mother and the way in which the mother had a, a meaningful part to play in their own discernment, their own okay. discernment about a call to be a priest. All right. So here's a couple of prayers. So litany for priests. Uh, just a couple things. All They're just also heartfelt. I don't know. Um, the priest dearest to me. And then I think you say, uh, is there a response here? No, there's not. Uh, for the souls of your priests in purgatory. Oh, and then you say, for above all, I commend to you, the priest dearest to me, the priest who baptized me, the priests who absolved me from my sin, the priests at whose mass I assist, the priests who taught and instructed me about you and your holy scripture, the priests who helped me and encouraged me, the priests whom you sent to touch my life and those of my uh, and Savior loved ones. And then it's let us pray for um, priests in seminary work, never leave them, Lord, or give them your wisdom, Lord. Diocesan priests, never leave them, Lord. Priests who are ill, heal them. 
Priests who are weak, strengthen them, Lord. Priests who are poor, relieve them, Lord. So it goes through a whole litany. Um, but as I'm praying each of these prayers, like priests who are sad or who are worried or are old or young, I'm calling to mind and heart priests that I know who I think would fit this profile. And so it really did unite me with the priests of our church. And then it goes on to a whole bunch more prayers. And this is what you do at one church. And then um, this is uh, for all priests. Give them your wisdom, Lord. Give them virtues. Give them patience and charity. Give them obedience and kindness. Give them a burning zeal for souls. Give them an intense love for the Eucharist. I mean, just such gorgeous prayers. Aren't they not? Are they not? And so then you go to another one. This is all about, on an, at another church, we pray litany for vocations. And it's... Um, Oh, this is all just praying to St. John Vianney, patron of priests, St. Joseph, protector of the Holy Church, St. Alphonsus Liguori, patron of vocation, St. Charles Borromeo, patron of seminarians, and you say pray for us after each one, St. Saint Maria Goretti, patron of teenagers, all you, home and, all you holy men and women of God, pray for us. I know I'm going quickly, so I don't want it to take away from the beauty of it, but there is so much richness in these prayers. And then it goes on to a whole nother side of prayers that go on and on. So each of us um, had a booklet and we'd go to the, well, first you had to find the church. There are four churches I'd never been to. So, and John Luke was driving and he's a new driver, teenage driver. And it, the good thing is at 9 30, 10 o'clock at night, there weren't a lot, there wasn't a lot of traffic, but it was fun trying to figure out where to go. And, and then once you get to the church, you had to figure out where the, is it called the Blessed Sacrament? Because yeah. it wasn't adoration. It was... It was a reposition. So there was a, the the blessed sacrament was in a tabernacle in okay. some. Okay, that's called yeah. reposition. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, I just where where the where the where the um, host is. Yes. Um, yeah, is reposing. That's what it was. And so you go to different churches and you see who's there. We ran into several people we knew. We never ran into you, although we were like following each other because we were ca- talking by phone. Um, when we were driving to the different places. But once you get to the church, you have to figure out where the reposition is because some of them had it in the main church and some of them had it in side churches and then in the rectory chapels. <laughs> it was like an Easter egg hunt. And it was almost like trick-or-treating because you'd walk in and you know do your prayers and as you're walking out, other people would be walking in. I don't know, there was this feel of trick-or-treating because it was nighttime and you're jumping in the car, going, trying to find the next one. I don't know. It was like a hunt. Honey, you probably should not I, use I that. I know, I the... know, but there's <laughs> something my kids and I are like, this is like drinking. Well, it was, it was... It was a, such a great adventure, but it was yeah. holy. It, I guess I've never been on a pilgrimage, so maybe this is what a car pilgrimage would be. Then they have a whole page of litany for vocations to the BVM. Is that... Oh, Blessed Virgin Mary. <laughs> I was like, what is the BVM? Okay. Um, and so stop. <laughs> and then there's a whole um, host of pages to the last, here's Silent Novena to the Sacred Heart for a bishop, for a priest, and for a seminarian. And so you have holding your heart someone that you want to pray for. I, it was just really great. I'm so proud of our diocese for doing this. I cannot, yeah, I definitely want to do this for next year. Well, I think that, well, what I'm hearing in your voice is, the fact that like those prayers just all by themselves may not be so powerful if someone just picked them up or saw them on the internet, but you had them in place. You had them in the context of you went to Holy Thursday Mass, you then went right to adoration at St. Mary's, and then from there you started on this journey. And so it was as if the Lord, I think, was clearing away blockages, opening up of funnels or, or channels of grace so that those prayers just flowed in that context. What was interesting is some places, some chapels were really easy to pray in. The grace, God's presence. It was one of the things I said to you. Holiness. I said, hey, which one of these chapels did you find yeah. to have a sense of God's holy presence? And it, you and I, we differed. It, well, and I didn't want to leave, or that's not always how I feel when I do adoration. Sometimes I fall asleep or count the minutes. It was a very graced evening. And I think the kids, too, sometimes I'd be the first one getting up to leave, and the kids would follow like five minutes later. Really? Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. So it it was a very, kudos, hats off. It well, was such a great night. And we were not together because we had a sick kid, and so how ironic that one of my Lenten commitments was go to Mass every day, and the only day I didn't make it to Mass was Holy Thursday. 
Oh, was that true? Really? Yeah. I, I live streamed Oh, that's it, right. You're so right. You guys watched Father Schmidt. We watched Father Schmidt's. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it was that weird. Like That is what a, interesting. It, it was almost like, I don't know if the Lord was just trying to teach me, like, this is a gift. Don't take it for granted that you can have access to Holy Communion. Um, so on the very feast day of the establishing of Holy Communion, I didn't get to go to Communion. Yes. I had to make a spiritual communion the, the other and went to adoration. So Yeah. The other thing we did that was new is we did a Seder meal. And we haven't, the kids used to do it like eight years ago at St. Vincent as a class. But this year I printed up the prayers and grabbed or made, put together quickly the, the meal. It's not that tricky. Um, it really wasn't a meal. It was more all the different parts of the meal. Like you have an egg and herbs and yeah, bitters and, and yes. And ma- yeah. matzah, matzah, matzah bread. Yes. Unleavened and bread. We prayed a, a kind of a Catholic version of what the Passover meal would look like. So it tied right into, um, this is my body, this is my blood. And then we watched Moses, which tied right into the passing over and the, the blood up above the dam as they're trying to quickly escape. So it really had a nice tie-in. It it went from Old Testament to New Testament in the way that, oh, the Eucharist is based on the fleeing and, and when they did the sacrifice. So anyhow, that was a great thing. I think next time we do the Seder meal, I'd want to actually have it be a mill mill. But you had to, we had to fit it in between getting out of school and the the service that night. Yeah. Well, I think that I got to appreciate in a at another level the gift of being a Catholic when it comes to liturgical celebrations of the biggest events in salvation history, because we have the Triduum and I don't know how many other Christian traditions, you know, come close to that, right? So the Orthodox are very liturgical, but, you know, many, as soon as you move beyond that and some maybe some high liturgical forms of Presbyterianism or Lutheranism, you're going to bump up against a real minimalistic approach to the Triduum. And we bumped into that a little bit when it came to Good Friday and Holy Saturday and Easter Sunday because um, the boys were invited to play in a basketball tournament. Oh, that's right. And it felt so odd. Well, and then the funny thing was, is it didn't really feel odd to these other boys that are all Christian, and they go to the Oaks with them, and the coach, who is the assistant boys varsity coach, and so he thought, oh, this would be a great weekend, not a lot going on, and I kind of raised my hand, and I said, you can do anything you want with this, but my boys can only participate during these windows, and I got to give him kudos, because he went out and he got games scheduled only during those windows and said, if we make it to the championship, we're not participating. We just, we forfeit. And and so he fitted in on Good Friday morning, Good Friday late afternoon. And um, and so my boys were able to do the Stations of the Cross and the uh, the uh, commemoration of the Lord's Passion on, on Good Friday. That's great. Yeah. And then on Holy Saturday, only in the morning. And then it was, Hey, we're not participating in anything beyond this. So, but the point was, was that what showed up was, um, it's not just that there's Easter on Friday. It's that we have an event on Holy Thursday. We have two events on Good Friday and we have the vigil on Holy Saturday. Here's our, and, and there was just like the, Oh, wow. There's a lot of, like I said, I needed a vacation from the <laughs> Triduum. The other thing I did that um, I've never done is I took some of the kids to a concert that is called... The Stabat Mater Dolorosa. Thank you, Thank you Tom. I've Stabat never done that. Mater you can just start singing. <laughs> well, if you've ever done the St. Alphonsus Liguori Stations of the Cross, it incorporates that between each of the stations. The song. It's, I think um, most of the stations sing that at the end of each station. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. I did not know it was this... Be- so we went to an opera of it. It was actually op- operatic. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. It was very amazing and beautiful. And I, it was in Latin, of course. And they gave you the, the version of, in English to follow along or pray along. And just breathtaking. Yeah. And it's... Uh, I mean, it has to do with the idea of... Um, the sorrowful mother, Stabat Mater, 
Doloroso. So Mater Doloroso is the sorrowful mother. Stabat was standing. So she was standing by the cross. And so you went to the performance of that, and wasn't it on Friday at 3? Correct. So that's where, you know, when Jesus would have been dying, literally at the end of his time on the cross. And so I think that was really powerful. And um, and you were very you were moved by it, weren't you? It was just breathtaking. Yeah, it was very beautiful. And I don't know why we've never done that. It's interesting if you look hard and long enough. There are so many different prayers and traditions that happen around these days, uh, and it's just neat to stumble upon new ones. Being this far along in our Catholic faith, and realizing how rich the church is in traditions, and you don't have, I don't have to create. Goofy things like an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> and there's a real beautiful, holy entering into the death, pa- um, death, passion, death, and resurrection of the Lord. Yeah, so amen. It was, it was I love great. that. Well, and it's I could say amen, hallelujah, right? Now you can. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. And I, again, what does it lead to? It leads to that sense of richness and, and robustness, vitality, vibrancy, right? All those beautiful words that are connected to faith. And I think it also connected to the idea of participation in the, the passion of Jesus, right? If we're going to participate, if we're going to share in the passion and death of Jesus, we can focus in on those three moments. So Holy Thursday with the time of Couldn't You Watch With Me? Good Friday with the Stabat Mater Dolorosa, the Stations of the Cross, the uh, commemoration of the Passion. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about the vigil. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. All right, Carrie, so we've now made it to the vigil, and we went to Our Lady of Lords. And we got there, you know, it was crowded. And the Lord gave me a preserved me a parking spot. Which Wait, was, was it very legal? Merciful. Was it a legal spot? Oh yeah, it was legal. Okay. Yeah, it was legal, and it wasn't too far away from the cathedral. And we got the second to last row. We saw people walking five, six blocks. Oh, easily. It yeah. was packed. That's the that's the most crowded I've ever seen the cathedral. Yeah. It was it was so great. It was just so beautiful. Um, holy is not the first word I'd say. More. Something grand, liturgical. What is the right word? It was hard for me to... How about majestic? Majestic. I think that's how I describe it. I love Easter Vigil holy, but this was Easter Vigil majestic. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, glorious. Glorious is divine majesty uh, manifested. It was just hard to enter into the singing and the worship of it. I, I know that sounds silly, but for some reason I just had a harder time... Um, the readings, the readings were a little bit short, shortened. I'm used to like 45 minutes of Old Testament, New Testament. I think we did three, four. We did three out of seven. So yeah. it felt a little short. Well, we love full <laughs> meal deal, we, right? I thought I should complain. The whole thing but... lasted two and a half, just over two and a half hours, uh, two hours and four, almost 45 minutes. This is the first vigil ever where there was a wedding. Yeah, well, that was fascinating. So that was one of, well, I want to say, first of all, one of the gifts. So <laughs> one of the reasons we went there, the specific reasons was because of uh, f- friends of ours. Go ahead. Yeah, just friends of ours from that we knew from Seattle, but we not... Knew acquaintances yes. in Seattle. They moved here. And their journey, the pack. yes, and their journey here is so beautiful and holy and, and God-ordained. But they had been married for, you know, how many decades, but he, the husband, had been always faithfully attending Mass with the wife, but not baptized. And He so, actually sang for the choir at the St. James Cathedral. Did he really? Yeah, I didn't know that. And just no one ever invited him to join the church. Wow. Is that crazy? Okay. <sighs> um, let's keep moving. Okay. Let's keep talking. It's just... <laughs> so, I know. whatever the case he was baptized and we had gone there to support them. And that was one of the reasons. And look what happened. The baptismal font was at the back of the church and we were right there in the second to last row. That would be your son choosing the very last row. Oh, is that what happened? Yes. Because I wasn't there. No, I just Were there other him. rows available? Yeah, like three or four or five up, but that was okay. I was fine okay. with wherever I didn't mind. Well, it was divine appointment yes. because we had a perfect clear view of him getting baptized. And I took a little video 
and are sent you, it to her. Are you allowed to do that during mass? Yeah, there were a bunch of people there taking oh, videos. Okay. Well, I, I, I had a very kind of sneakily <laughs> did it. Sneakily. And, and no, actually, I had Liliana do it. Okay. And then I sent it to Monica during the mass, and she thumbed it up. She like, loved it. And I'm like, what are you doing? Liking my ta- liking my video during mass. So oh, I, I at so least silly. had the justification of taking it. Okay. Maybe not sending it. But the music was glorious. It really was. And I, I, I just loved you get dressed up. You, the kids know you're signing up for this, and it's going to be full meal deal and all of that. There and, were a couple of families oh. that said it was their first triduum They've really? never, in their first vigil with their kids. So that was really cool. There must have been 50, 45, 50? I think there were 45. 45 there, that the... were received into the church. So you have baptism, confirmation, First Holy Communion. So there were some who were not, like they were not confirmed, right? They were baptized Catholic yeah. and all that. And then there were those who got married. Because if you were not married in the church, then you needed to get married. And oh, so, is that why they did yeah, that? Yeah, that's why they did that. I did not know. Yeah, so there were some. I that, thought it was just one couple. No, they, they were like three. I think oh, there were my three goodness. couples that they... No wonder I was so marriages. packed. It was a, ma- it was a wedding. <laughs> well, it was... They weren't getting married. It okay. was the church blessing already existing unions now that they were both Catholic. There were so many young families there. I could not believe how many families and young people usually I'll go to mass and I just count the gray hair people <laughs> looking at the dwindling numbers. But at this service, there were way more um, middle-aged or in younger people there. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and there was something about a vigil that you really do call into play the those that are active. One uh, one one poignant moment. Liliana noticed the stained glass windows. And at night, she looked at them and she said, Dad, look at these windows are dead. Oh. Isn't that a powerful word? Yes. These stained glass windows are dead because they only work when there's light that shines through them. They're just as beautiful as they are at any other moment. But if you don't have light shining through them, then they're dead. And I just thought, oh, that's going on the radio. I see that analogy. That's really powerful. That there's something beautiful and glorious. There's a a story, a history God wants to tell through your life. But his light has to shine through or it's just dead. So there you go. I'll use that in a talk sometime. (laughs) So, oh, I want to, speaking of life and death, there was a fellow I interviewed a few years ago. He was a Catholic author and a psychologist and uh, was a, like a, a voice of like real reason and insight into the faith. His name Kevin Vost. And I had interviewed him about his book, like a kind of a short book, Introduction to Aquinas. And he died suddenly. Oh, wow. Yeah, he died just a couple days ago, a oh, few wow. days ago. How old was he? 62. Oh my goodness. And he was very healthy. And in fact, that was one of his big themes was eat healthy, exercise, you know, you live in a way that's healthy and, and you're honoring God. And it, I'll give you a little preview. I was, I'm going to be talking at the Seattle men's conference in a couple of weeks. And I was going to say to them at the beginning of the conference, all right, guys, I'm going to make a prediction. And this is like 99% bet on it. A year from now, not everyone is going to be here. Some of you are going to be dead. How's that for an opening line? Yikes. Yeah. That sounds like a men's conference. It sounds like a men's conference. <laughs> Get them off the sidelines. Like, but you don't know who you are, and you want to make sure you're not caught off guard. So, so there you go. Wow. So, Carrie, uh, any, any insights about Easter, Easter Sunday? Uh, we ate a lot of food. Uh, we got to celebrate with a family, a wonderful family. They invited us over, so that was a ton of fun, and we played. the boys played soccer after, I think that... They dress up, dress down, play soccer, eat, eat three times. I couldn't, I can't be sure, but it was a great celebration. Um, I don't think I had the great glorious resurrection where you come through Easter and you appear different, you radiate holiness. I think I kind of just stumbled through East, the Triduum. <laughs> really? Yeah, I don't because I don't feel like my sacrifices were hard enough, and I don't feel like my prayers were. Um, I definitely signed up for a lot of different prayer opportunities that I did, but 
there was something missing, or there was just a misconnect. And that's fine. I'm going away on this retreat this weekend or this conference. And so I'm just waiting for the Lord to download whatever He would want as the Easter. Well, this is the moment. Uh, we're still in the, the what's it called? The, the octave. So what that means is the theme of the octave is overflow. That oh, what happened? Let's go. I know. What happened in, on Easter is so big, it cannot be contained in a day. And so it overflows into eight days. So I love that idea that Easter is all about overflow. Just like we are all about restraining and restricting and denying during Lent. No, Easter is about being filled to overflowing. And I think there's definitely an intimate connection between the two. That if we deny ourselves well, if we are cleansing the vessel, if we're extending and stretching the vessel, then we're preparing ourselves to be filled to overflowing. At least, I mean, that's that's the idea. I love the book you're reading last week about God being the creator and yeah, it's creation a, is overflow. Yeah, that's that's a, a that was a Pope Benedict, or Cardinal Ratzinger, his book on called the Divine Project. So good. Yeah, so did good. I read a couple of things from you about from that book? Yes, you did read a couple of things, and I just was stunned. Yeah, that, especially amazing. as you relate it to your own life, and you look at creation, and you see just the truth of who God is. That's definitely a theme that God is bringing alive in me in a new way. Well, Carrie, we're up against a break. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to finish off the program. Carrie, you are set free. I'm going to be doing a prayer for priests, a prayer that was part of that uh, Holy Thursday uh, time of vigiling yes. with the Lord. So any final words that you want to say, Carrie, before we head out? Uh, have a great weekend without me, and I'll leave the freezer meals in the freezer. Thank you, dear. I really appreciate <laughs> that. Great. Pray for me is what we should really be saying. All right. We'll be back in a minute with more. So we, I, will be back in a minute to finish off the last segment of Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. So... I do encourage you, if you're enjoying these programs, to go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org, where you can um, get access to all of them as podcasts, as well as see interviews on video on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, as well as on Facebook. All that information you can find on mycatholicfaith.org, as well as get access to free downloads of audio, video, and yes, digital books on the Mass, on Confession, on Marriage, all available to you free of charge. Love to be able to give you access to those resources, as well as enjoy these programs on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player. I'm going to end today's program with a prayer for priests. This is part of that booklet that Carrie's been mentioning, The Seven Churches Devotion, and there is a really beautiful prayer in here by written by a Benedictine, a Dom Mark Kirby. Tom Mark Kirby. And, uh, and so here we go. Here's the prayer. Oh, my beloved Jesus, I bring thee the poverty of thy priests, that thou would enrich them. I bring thee the emptiness of thy priests, that thou would fill them. I bring thee the coldness of thy priests, that thou would warm them. I bring thee the loneliness of thy priests, that thou would embrace them. I bring thee the sorrows of thy priests, that thou would console them. I bring thee the illnesses of thy priests, that thou would heal them. I bring thee the impurities of thy priests, that thou would wash them clean. I bring thee the nakedness of thy priests, that thou would clothe them. I bring thee the silence of thy priests, that thou would speak to them. I bring thee the brokenness of thy priests, that thou would repair them. I bring thee the infirmities of thy priests, that thou would heal them. I bring thee the nothingness of thy priests, that thou would be their all. I bring thee the darkness of thy priests, that thou would illuminate them. 
I bring thee the bitterness of thy priests, that thou would give them to taste of thy sweetness. I bring thee the struggles of thy priests, that thou would be victorious in them. I give thee the blindness of thy priests, that thou would give them clear vision. I bring thee the weariness of thy priests, that thou would be their rest. I bring thee the thirst of thy priests, that thou would quench it. I bring thee the fears of thy priests, that thou would give them confidence. I give thee the doubts of thy priests, that thou would strengthen their faith. I bring thee the despondency of thy priests, that thou would infuse them with hope. I bring thee the sadness of thy priests, that they that thou would be their joy. I bring thee all thy priests, especially those in their last agony, those who are locked in spiritual combat, and those being tempted to sin against faith and against hope. I bring thee the death of thy priests, that thou would be their life eternal. I bring thee all those priests of thine, for whom thy presence in the most holy sacrament has become a matter of indifference, of routine, and of neglect. Beloved Lord Jesus, have mercy on those priests of thine, whose minds have grown dark, whose hearts have grown cold, and who have succumbed to the enticements of the world, the weariness of the flesh, and the deceits of the devil. Deliver them all, O Jesus, for they are thine, and thou wilt not deny thine own. Amen. That is a powerful prayer again, by uh, Father Mark Kirby, um, a a Dominican, I'm sorry, Dominican, a Benedictine uh, priest. And what Kerry had shared with me about this prayer before I had read it, and this was the first time I read it, is the way in which this beautiful prayer is um, getting on the inside of what priests can actually experience. What some experience at different times and seasons in their lives. So I know that one of the things that I have seen and and heard and and reflected on in my life in church work, which is now going on 34 years and for five years before that in the seminary, is that being a priest means in a certain way always being on, always being on. Now, of course, as followers of Christ, we're always on as followers of Christ, but we also wear many other hats and literally other clothes. (laughs) But when you're a priest, you're always on. And so the language that you use is going to typically be connected to the life of faith. The conversations you're having are going to be connected to the life of faith. The interactions you have are very rarely ever going to be apart from the reality that your identity as a priest is is part and parcel of what's happening, of what's what's unfolding, what's what's manifesting itself around you. And sometimes I'll use the phrase, a heavy lift. And when I think about the way that priests are called upon to always be speaking, always on, always on, that always on, that's a heavy lift. That's a heavy lift because if I'm having a like a, a down day or a, a particularly busy day, I missed going to Mass. They don't have that option. When I have a day that 
I, I'm, I'm just kind of slogging my way through. Oh, I didn't pray the liturgy of the hours today. They don't have that option. When, um, when they, when I encounter someone out in the world, it's not immediately obvious that I'm a person of faith because I'm not wearing clothes that are connected to a religious profession the way that priests are when they're dressed in clerics. And so there is that expectation that goes along with just literally showing up in public. That is a heavy lift. And they're doing all of this in the context of celibacy, where their primary relationship, which is with the Lord, and the totality of their affective life is oriented, first of all, to Jesus Christ, that that is a heavy lift. And so if we don't ponder that or think about that, we may find that we're missing out on the call that the Lord has for us as members of the community of faith, as members of the flock, to be praying for our shepherds, to pray for those who are living a call that is a heavy lift. It's a heavy lift not only as a profession, right, functioning as a priest, but their very identity and their uh, vocation as a celibate, that these are things that are like lived at a higher pitch. <laughs> They're lived at a high, like the, the gain the, that little button on a, on a, on a volume control of, of a soundboard, the gain like amplifies things. They live a more amplified life than the lay faithful. And I'm telling you that as a guy who's worked alongside priests, studied to be a priest for five years, wasn't ordained, but I've worked alongside priests for 34 years. They live their lives at a higher pitch. I'm not saying they're necessarily busier or living a more complicated life. I'm not saying that they have the same burdens and stresses and strains as lay people, uh, husbands and fathers, wives and mothers. No, but the life and the lifestyle of a priest, it's a heavier lift. It's a heavier lift when it comes to always having the language that comes forth from their mouths has to connect. It has to connect to what's going on in their heart, in their soul, in their minds. And so we have a call to be praying for them. We ought to be praying intently in a convicted way, in a uh, consistent way for our bishops and our priests so that they will fulfill their call peacefully, that heavy lift that is theirs. God bless your day. Have a great weekend and join me on Monday. I'll be joined by Father uh, Jeff Lewis on Sound Insight.